0: On this episode, I had the opportunity to sit down with one of the greatest marketers of all time, Jay Abraham. Jay is known for being the $21.7 billion man and mentoring people such as Tony Robbins, Damon John, Dave Asprey, and other top-level disruptors. With his experience in consulting for over a 1,000 different industries, Jay has an incredibly unique insight to marketing and increasing sales. If you want to increase your jumbo referral sources and marketing skills, this is the episode you don't want to miss. Listen close as we speak about biohacking, Socratic listening, the importance of giving, and much more. Welcome to the Million Dollar Mortgage Experience Podcast.
1: Listen in as CEO John Maddox of Fund Loans reveals tips, secrets, and origination ideas to fill your pipeline with million dollar opportunities.
0: Welcome to the show and thanks for letting me drop in here Jay. Oh come on John my pleasure and uh, hope I can add value. Awesome. Well, let's talk talk about mindset. I know um, you know, for me uh, getting up in the morning having gratitude is really important one of the things I do every day when I get up is as soon as my feet hit the ground I say thank you like the two words when I hit how important is my like in your mindset is gratitude daily uh, you know f- for you and, and, and for people in business?
1: Well I think it, it's not only is it important but having a perspective that you appreciate all of humanity. you got to really say that everybody has relevance, everyone has value. Right. And uh, gratitude and humility uh, doesn't mean that you're not competent and you don't have great Sense of your ability. But humility, humanity, gratitude is a driving force, I think, of great achievement. When you start getting hubris, when you start getting arrogant, Mm -hmm. then you stop really being able to be effective.
0: Do you think it has a direct impact on how you perform in sales? Uh, Well, I think it goes towards a real real, at least... (laughs)
1: I think it goes towards appreciating your client. I teach something which is more elevated. It's called the strategy of preeminence. And literally, we say fall in love with your client. And we don't mean, you know. Set have a roses. Have, Yeah, I don't have a personal relationship as far as physical. But we're saying that if you don't really appreciate the people you are interacting with, how can you possibly, excuse me, how can you possibly really be your best? But I think if you don't like the people you're dealing with, If you don't appreciate the value you're bringing them and the the need that they represent, and that they're, you know, they got a very complex life and you're trying to help make it better. If you're not really into their reality, you can't be. I mean, we've done a lot of work on greatness. I'm not having an ADD moment, but greatness can't be achieved unless you first appreciate, um, examine, and uh, acknowledge how other people uh, see and experience life. That all
0: goes towards what you're talking about. Can you talk in general about wellness and biohacking and how important your health is to, to sure. sales and just sure. being successful? Well, I think it's how important it is to not just sales, but how
1: important it is to, uh, you know, to the game you're playing, which is called life. I mean, too many people get obsessed with, with uh really burning uh, the wick all the way down. Or on you know, both basi- ends, yeah. right? <laughs> and, they're, and they're basically obsessed with the end product. But if you lose your health, if you lose your mental acuity, if you lose your ability to enjoy and appreciate it, I think that we get too... I mean, again, I'm... You know, I have a lot of toys. I have a lot of houses and stuff like that. So I'm not going to demean it, but it shouldn't be the driver of all that's important. Right. You're, I mean, You should basically, you should have a balanced life. And a balanced life means that you manage your stress, that you have good nutrition, that you get at least you know, six, seven hours of good sleep, real sleep, that you take time to really breathe deeply. Deep breathing is probably the most undervalued and valuable health, happiness, serenity, balance, stress-reducing, mental acuity-enhancing. Right. And then, uh, really, I mean, I do a lot of things that are unique. I tend to want to keep my mind and my body uh, not perfect. I could lose some weight. But uh, I, you know, I do massage three times a week. I get acupuncture three times a week. Uh, I do a lot of alternative health uh, uh, treatments. I, you know, I believe that if you don't let your body and your mind nourish, then the rest of it, I mean, you can't be great. I mean, you can't be great. You just can't. I mean, things, even as simple, John, as drinking your eight glasses of water. If you don't <laughs> you know your mental acuity, your cellular structure, your your focus, your creativity, all the you know, all the cylinders won't fire fire, excuse me. Right. And you're gonna underperform. I mean the goal in life is to be is highest and best use and highest been best use is optimization. Optimization can't be possible without the right the right uh, ingredients, And one of them is basically health, nutrition, uh, uh, fitness, mm-hmm. and health goes three ways. It's not just the physicality because we don't have to be buff and have a six pack, but you have to have good cardio. You have to have good, you know, good, uh, uh, you know, blood, you know, blood, uh, uh, low. yep, everything. And, you know, you got to have good, you know, low cholesterol or managed it, but you also have to good mental health. If you have the bad mental health, if you have resentment, if you have stress, you have low self-esteem, all those things can not only prejudice your achievements, but can be very toxic to your well-being.
0: I agree. It resonates with me because I think of, you know, when you fly on an airplane, sometimes you hear, you know, if they're in the event of a yeah, of, you know catastrophe yeah, yeah. or something, you know, to put your mask on first, then put it on the small children. We always have a tendency to take care of everything else around us and we forget to take care of ourselves first. If we suffer, you know, we we aren't taking care of ourselves first, then the rest is going to. I mean, is it similar to that? Yeah. Do you see, see a well, correlation? Well, I mean, I think that we want to be Joan
1: of Arc, but. I think if you're not good for yourself, you can't be good for anyone else. That's good. And and it's not selfish, it's not arrogant, it's not egotistical, it's not any of that. It's just it's just pragmatic. Yeah. You, you mean what kind of a provider, what kind of a of a of, of a companion, a spouse, significant other, lover, parent, friend can you be? Right. If you're all screwed up. Yeah. And so the first thing is get yourself mentally physically you know really fit have cerebral fitness have physical fitness it doesn't mean you have to look like arnold schwarzenegger right and then you know have your have your um your values in alignment because if you're lopsided you'll never be successful and very very truthfully even if you make a lot of money you'll
0: never be happy that's a good point. It's good. Let's talk about boldness. I mean, wh- I remember back when I started in the mortgage business, I was on a salary. Okay. And then when uh, there was a time that came a kind of a fork in the road where I was able to decide whether I wanted to stay on a salary in a smaller commission or go commission only. Yeah. And I think a lot of uh, mortgage brokers struggle with that. Like, should I take the leap and just do this, you know, and go commission only? Um, and when I went commission only, I doubled my income within, you know, 60 days. I started... Well, performing you're, a lot better, so yeah, what, your, your mind knew that you had no ceiling anymore, right? And it also knew that if I didn't do anything, I would make it zero, right? So well stated. So how important is is having that you know um, boldness or lack of fear to you know to well, to do something like that?
1: that? That's a great question, and probably a better one is is. Why are people insecure about taking risk in themselves? That's all it is. But let me give you two different perspectives. Believing in themselves, yeah. right? Yeah. Let me give you two perspectives. One is it's a delusion. I mean, even if you're getting a salary, you're always, we're all on commission. Right. And the commission's productivity, <laughs> yield. The moment you aren't really yielding more than you're being paid, you're either going to get a reduction or you're going to get fired. So you're yeah. on commission. This that, is true. That's, a, that's a false security, first of all. Right. Second of all, We think that the companies are security, their resources are security. Really, all security is is the faith, the confidence, the trust you have in yourself and your ability to perform. That's good. Because if you can perform, you can always—I mean, when I was younger, I had no uh, salary jobs. I got started just on performance, so I knew nothing else. But when you realize you don't eat if you don't perform— Mm-hmm. And if you perform better, you eat a lot better. You realize what works, what doesn't. You realize that it has nothing to do with an organization. It has to do all in here. And if you can, if you have a value proposition that brings benefit, and you have uh, the ability to target the right, the right receptive audience that really is in need of that benefit. And you have no ceiling on you, and then you develop efficiencies. And as you and I talked offline, and you 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 target where the money is. Right. And it's one thing to have a uh, you know a lot of littles. It's the other thing to have you know half of bigger ones are probably more profitable mm-hmm. than two or three times the little ones, and a lot easier probably to deal with because they're uh, you know they want they want the deal to close right away. Right. So everything about it is better. But people get really trapped in a delusionary definition of what security is. That's right,
0: and you know, go on that point too. Business is business, right? So, like, you know, whether you're selling a hot dog or whether you're selling money, like we do as mortgage brokers yeah. or mortgage bankers. It's great, it's a great insight. Is selling money? That's hilarious. <laughs> and so, um, I heard someone say that one time. I, no, I love it. it. And you have to realize, capital needs to be deployed, or right. it, or it erodes. Yeah, very true. So, so I mean, finding that need, right? Finding a need in the market, whether it's someone who's hungry for a Hot dog, or whether it's someone that needs capital, you know, business is business. And, and, and if you can sell, you know, hot dogs, you can sell, you know, you obviously have to be more sophisticated to do what we're doing as mortgage financial professionals. But, you know, how important is it to find that need and, and to focus on that? Do you focus on finding the need or to build your business and your success?
1: Well, in, there's, there's, there's two different schools of thought. One is serving felt needs and being able to articulate better than anybody else your ability to recognize that need in someone's life and fill it. The other is to verbalize for people that they have the they do have a problem or an opportunity that they've never recognized and you are the only solution. So yeah. it, in terms of what you do, you make available financing for people who might— uh, otherwise think they're not they're not fundable because of various various issues. Not right. because they don't have the economic capacity, but on paper they don't have the right so fit in the box yeah. somewhere. But yeah. if they realize, hey, no, there there's an organization that specializes in that, then all of a sudden they might say, Wow, I've been wanting to buy this five million dollar house but never thought I could really get you know, get through the paperwork, right? So you, so it's two different. But the point is, there are people that recognize it, and they they want to find the best solution for the problem. They know has a solution, and then there are people that don't even know they have the problem. Or the flip is the opportunity, and the person that says, "Hey, you got the ability to do this. You don't know it. I mean, uh, that's equally as valuable. And you can go either way. You can go." Uh, one way, and have you can have two different uh, models going. I mean, but yeah, both of them are viable.
0: Yeah, I mean, getting the awareness and getting the word out of what you do, right, is so important. Like I heard someone say one time, marketing is like, you know, like winking at a girl in the dark. Like you may <laughs> you may know what you're doing if you're not marketing, you're you're winking at a girl in the dark. You may know what you're doing, but you know, no one else does, right? Uh, yes, but without being. Um
1: uh, seem, seeming a little onerous, marketing that doesn't really offer a distinctive advantage, benefit, outcome that is superior to basically, you know, the the maddening clou- crowd is basically throwing um, mud into a uh, quicksand I mean it doesn't even it, you can't even tell right so you have to know how to market what to market how to distinguish differentiate yourself your value proposition and make your offer so irresistible that at least it'll initiate you know conversation and dialogue
0: that's great. And, and, you know, a lot of mortgage brokers, they're they're like the David and Goliath, right? You've got banks that are like Citibank and Bank of America and right. these big major, you know, big banks. They're out there marketing like crazy on news and yes. and, 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 and uh, everywhere you see, you know, on billboards and, and, and online. But, you know, how does a mortgage broker um, differentiate themselves and, and stand out, you know, when they're just a the small, you know, few people versus, you know, the marketing budget of like, Millions of dollars, like a big bank.
1: It's a wonderful question, but to answer it simply in a minute or two would be a disservice to the the profundity of the answer. But I'll give you a couple of of filaments in there. The first thing is there's a misnomer. Big is intimidating, complex, convoluted, sure. impersonal. Uh, you know, it's a, it's it's uh, sterile you have a great there's a concept in marketing called the Aikido School of Marketing and if you don't know what Aikido is or if your Mm -hmm. viewers don't it's basically a martial arts uh, category that uses the power of the enemy against the enemy so if you start and saying the negative doesn't have to be negative it can be a positive interesting for example if you say look you have a lot of options out there, but have you ever tried to even get a human being on a bank phone? Have you ever sat down and tried to start the process of any kind of a financial, even opening an account, lending them money right. as opposed to borrowing? And you start saying it's doable. Yeah. They do it, but they, they uh, will put you through such arduous and they're not going to give you a great rate. That's not what they're not in business to give you a great deal. They're in business to make the maximum amount of profit they can on you while you smile. And I'm not knocking it. It's just a clinical statement. I, on the other hand, I'm going to basically give you a market rate, but I'm going to care. I'm going to make it as easy as you can. I'm going to make it as quick as you can. I'm not going to treat you like you're basically a piece of meat, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Give them
0: a better service. Yeah. And you show them
1: reasons why. And then you prove it. You have to prove it. If you yeah. just make a declaratory statement to somebody and you can't provide some kind of a reference example, but one of the greatest overlooked powerful tools in the world is the use of metaphors, similes, uh, um, analogies. We talked earlier about uh, religion and all religions doesn't matter christian jewish you know middle eastern they all make their point by parables mm-hmm. and if people don't use analogies to say i am to this what blank is to that so that people can immediately see your advantage right and you should be the one to educate people you should be the one to guide people. I believe everyone should function as the most trusted advisor in someone's life in the category, irrespective of whether they do business right now with you or not, although they will if you take that role because you'll stand out so strongly and you should be the only viable solution they see because of what you do and how you do it and the things you're able to resonate, represent and convey.
0: That's good, and that goes kind of back to what you might have been saying earlier about you know falling in love with your client or showing you care. There's like a big care, you know. If you if you show that caring side, then all that other stuff is going to come easy.
1: Yeah. Well, it's why I mean there's there's a overlapping universal three words that that transcend almost everything in our life. The reason why? Why should I? First of all, do business with you. Mm-hmm. Why do you, not just as an individual, but whomever you represent, why should I trust you? Mm-hmm. Why should I favor you over? And there's, there's, there's always options. Option one is alternative providers. Right. Option two is doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so or option three, it depends on the deal. If it's an investment property getting, you know, private investors. Right. So why should I choose your option and the option that has you at the helm? And if you can't answer that you should go back to the drawing board. There's very powerful ways. I mean, it, I, I, I can take any of these subjects, by the way, and I'll be happy to, John, if you want to, at a later date, do a whole, you know, 20 or 30 minutes on any one of them because they're worth it. But you have to, I mean, as far as as preemptive positioning, preeminent positioning, uh, that's much above differentiation. Sure. It's elevating yourself to being the most uh, significant and the The ultimate provider In the eyes of the target audience You're after Mm -hmm. And you don't just wish for it And you don't just go out there You know, like a drunken sailor And and promiscuously knock on doors And say, hi, I'm Jay You very masterfully And strategically construct Your positioning Your preemptive advantage Your persona uh, Your Your uh, Your uh, Ability to establish credibility. This is going to sound funny to you, and I'm getting not on ADD, but there's all kinds of soft elements that your audience should know about because it, it elevates your viability and success probability. One is trust building. Everybody thinks they're trustworthy, but Stephen M. R. Covey, who's a, a colleague of mine, is the preeminent expert in the field of business trust building he's reduced it down to 13 characteristics that if you can manifest those you will triple your success rate oh, wow you will triple the, the the rapidity or the cons or the 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 uh, the time us, uh, the time sequence so you'll bring it down mm-hmm. you'll triple your number of referrals you'll triple but most people don't even know what they are and they think they're automatically trustworthy but if they were the most trustworthy person then everyone would automatically be referring to him all they'd have to sit is answer the phone and say you know I'll either be out or come on in that's not the case though is it no there's there's research in things like fascination believe it or not there are scientific elements to the concept of fascination that uh, prove that you can multiply your impact or you can diminish it by orders of magnitude by three four five hundred percent I could if I had time Drop on you twenty-five, what I call advantage activators that that automatically give you superior probability against the majority of people you'd compete against in that category. Wow! I could show you that if you don't understand the uh, the rules of relevance, that you are at a disadvantage because everything in in business and life is flowing from a font. Of whether you're relevant or not, things you say right. or don't say, things you do or don't do, you know, well, it, how it turns you on yourself.
0: the attention, right? It turns it off or on. So if someone's, you know, listening to you, they may not be listening. They might just be acting like they're listening. But as soon as you've engaged with them in a way that's trustworthy and and you've turned on their attention from whatever it might be, whether it's in, uh, getting their attention somehow with a, a a word that you've said or a way that you've acted or the way that you've presented yourself. I mean, is that a little bit, am I on the right track? Or? It is, but it's not accidental.
1: Uh, for example, let's go through this. Uh, I, I came from a world of very scientific understanding. I've helped... Um, Five or six very large clients that analyzed everything imaginable. One was the largest multivariable testing agency in the world. They tested all kinds of different ways of doing saying in retail, you know, positioning products, SKUs, and end aisle on the on the counter. Uh, I worked with the largest a strategic litigation consulting firm that tested everything from ways of pre- presenting their arguments you know to to graphic ways of depicting pain and suffering or minimizing mm-hmm. it we've tested for example we've tested different ways of initiating a conversation hmm we one time tested 33 ways of doing that and got one way that tripled the conversions wow so i mean things like that are very available but if people don't know about it yeah. then they're blindly well the, the, the at best they're suboptimizing they're leaving enormous uh, yield on the table At mm. worst they're 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 un, unknowingly undeservedly un Necessarily restricting, limiting, you know, the deals they could do, the the size of the deals, the scope they could be uh, affecting, the networks they could be generating. Right. But it's not the the most the most tragic part of what I would call success in selling is really that you have a lot more control, but most people don't know it, and it's not just. Technique-based. It's strategic. Mm-hmm. It's it's ideological. It's philosophical. It's figuring out what your positioning is. It's figuring out if you're going to network. How to be what I would call. Uh, 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 really masterful strategic ultimate networkers and understand what that looks like if you want to use affinity groups and and relational capital knowing how to do it without looking crass knowing how to initiate it, sink the, 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 the seed and then have it take root and be a perpetual source of constant business generation or at least uh, new relationship uh, building. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that is it's very it's, it's not easy, but it's not hard, but it's terribly hard if you don't know it exists and you're just doing it right. sort of ad hoc. And whatever success anyone has achieved, the odds are that it's less than the effort, the time, the opportunity, the ability uh, and their life deserves. And that, that's not meant to make them feel bad. It's just a it's a clinical statement of fact. That's interesting. It's,
0: so we can find out more of that, this kind of information, this kind of information from your from your website, right? And things yeah, like sir, that. I can give you some material you can disseminate yourself. It doesn't matter to me. So you were talking about um, getting a referral source or getting something that can, you know, continue to bring business. So, you know, a lot of mortgage brokers out there, they use realtors. They might have a, a CPA that they work with. They might have, you know, some kind of referral partners. Do you, you know, and, and I... Often, as the owner of the company, will find out <clears throat> that someone will have one, right? They'll have one or two, maybe, and they're excited about those, those referral two. sources. Yeah, yeah, referral partners, referral yeah. sources. Um, and and my co- my idea is, is you don't you need way more than one or two, you know, because any time the one or two could could go away, or if you have, I mean, I know you can only service so many right but and it's not necessarily quantity it's quality but would you say in general with sales you would need more than one or two referral partners or
1: well you're you're, yes but you're asking and this is not diminishing you John it's just that you're asking uh, a second level question the first question is how many referral strategies should you have got it and then the second is how many partners now let me ask you I'm, I'm not really asking you I'm passing through to you to your audience let me ask your audience if two sources produce X business right what would happen if you had four sources right I mean this is hilarious I used to do a lot of work I still do with the the real estate agent market the the residential and one of the one of the default activities is farming yeah they'll take a a geographic area and they'll take a thousand homes and they'll send a postcard Mm -hmm. at uh, intervals every uh, 60 days yeah and I would say to somebody, okay, well, let's look at what happens. What's it cost you to send those 1,000 postcards? Uh, 70 cents. So $700. Mm-hmm. How many deals a month does it produce? Five. What do you make <laughs> on a deal? Uh, $4,000. So $700 is yielding you, I mean, you know, gross. Right. 20000 what's the ROI annualized? It's pretty high. Right. But what they don't know is if you mailed that same postcard the very next day to the same 1,000 people, you would get 50% minimum more. Mm-hmm. And fifty percent may not be twenty, but a ten thousand dollar yield annualized, you know, in in whatever the period of time on a seven hundred dollar investment is still pretty damn good. Right. But people are very limited. They do they they, they don't have, what I would call, strategic critical thinking sense, <laughs> and they they self limit. I right. mean, why would I want two, if I can have twenty two? Right. And if you say, well, I can't handle it, duh, get assistance, duh, sure. hire salaried people. And you take the, the if you have enough in, yeah. inflow, you take the spread. I mean, right. it's just a pragmatic strategic business, but people go, well, I've got two sources. <laughs> and they get to a point, it, what happens is when you start out, they'll work like mad, then two or three will come through and they'll start making money. And then it's not fun always if you don't have the right mindset mindset trying to go out and stimulate referrals or endorsers or, you know, reference or or sourcing um, uh, uh, people and and entities. So it's easier to, you know, to do, you know, to deflect that and default and just basically take the business. But that's the dumbest thing in the world. If you're great at building referral sources, you should be doing that all day long and just have a team that does all the the heavy lifting. I mean, to me... Most people self-limit, and I—I I live in a world that has, has I've—I've, I've, uh, John worked with a thousand industries, and I'm just making that. Sure. Not- as as a brash statement, it's a, it's a just a statement of fact. But when you've looked at a thousand industries, you see how many different strategies, approaches, levels of achievement are possible from time, effort, opportunity, individuals, capital, back to referrals. One of the most hilarious things in the world, and maybe not all of your of your viewers or your or your colleagues, but many of them spend money on marketing. Yeah, They'll run an ad or they'll be on uh, you know, some social or search or something localized <laughs> or national or whatever they're licensed to do. And if you think about it, that is the outer periphery of trust building. Yep. That starts a curiosity that has to be migrated and won over many different interactions, right? Definitely. And there's a lot of Of lost torque and slippage and breakage between the number that start and the number that come at the end of the tunnel right Right. funnel or the funnel pardon me but if you look at referral generated um, prospects simply they close with high predictability they negotiate almost nothing they are easy to deal with they do larger deals with you they do more deals with you they refer more people right. they cost you nothing and yet most people spend all their focus and and you've got absolute trust coming in yeah we in, in the work i've done we've identified not one or two or three but 93 separate referral generating strategies that are are Uh, Applicable in different uh, scenarios. Some right at the point of initiating relationships, some at the end of the relationship, some at different seasonalities, some when different factors converge. But if people don't even have one, and if somebody has one or two referral sources and it's making them a living and they don't have enough, um, this is not meant to demean anybody, but enough strategic logic to realize that if two brings in X... may bring in 4X, but it might also have a uh, geometric effect because when you start getting multiple uh, referral sources, they start all basically... Impacting a lot of the same people. And if you hear sure. about Jay Abraham, not from just one person, right. but from five people, you say, I got to call Jay Abraham. Absolutely. People don't realize that. It mean, it's a lot of very, most all of this is super logical, but most right. people don't have strategic critical thinking. And you talked, I wanted to make an amended comment to something earlier. You said, most people don't know strategic listening. Yeah. They're so eager to get there, they want to cue up what they want to say that they don't hear, they don't know how to acknowledge. We teach people Socratic interview, uh, listening and interaction, and when you engage someone Socratically, you own them, because you're more interested than trying to be interesting. Huh. You're making them basically the focal thrust, and people love that. There's a lot of very, very, uh, remarkably predictable. Uh, marketing, selling, science—that—that uh, that is absolute. Something I will share with you because I'm—I'm presuming some of your uh, viewers are either owners or they have teams. Would that be right? Sure. Yeah. So one of the easiest things to do to great to instantly—I mean, instantly in a matter of days—multiply the performance of your entire team is to—we—we we did this. Uh, in in uh, large 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 groups all the time, you identify all the different factors, the sub processes that occur in the selling macro process that is whatever your business is. And if they're concentrating on on big jumbo loans, fine. But if they're doing all kinds of loans, you say, okay, some are great at uh, at. Uh, engaging people, some are great at closing, some are great at difficult, some are great at lower income, different Mm -hmm. ethnicities, you figure out who's great at what. and how much greater they are than everybody else. Mm -hmm. Normally, let's say you had 10 salespeople or or mortgage bankers or whatever their titular designation is. Well, there's normally 10 key performance indices within the macro of doing that business. And at each one, not all 10, but each one, if you had a big enough... Uh, Complement of salespeople or bankers, you're going to find different ones are much better at different factors. True. I mean, we we impute that somebody's going to be omnipotent. You're going to be great at opening. You're going to be great at prospecting. Sure. You're going to be great at setting up referral sources. You're going to be great at all. It's it's BS. You can't be. Right. No. Some people are better at certain categories, certain ethnicities, certain you know industries, right. certain white collar, blue collar. Right. And when you find out who they are, then you want to find out how much better they are. If I'm just a little bit it's one thing if I'm a lot it's something else usually it's 80 20 if you had 10 people you're gonna have two or three that are better at each of these categories right if you interview them in a Socratic interview and enough time here to explain it but you can find out what they do consciously or subconsciously different their mindset their style mm-hmm. their 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 expressions phraseology pre uh, communications or or processes and if you do that in front of everybody else it helps everybody else gain uh, a modicum of improvement if you find someone who's Absolutely, you know, 300% better. You make that person the person yeah. that concentrates on that category. Right. If somebody's great at setting up referrals but isn't really great at doing the, the details, then why in the God's name would you want him or her to be in the office if they can get the, get the company 25 referral sources? That's all they should yeah, do. You should
0: have them out and not care that they're in the chair. But if you don't that, really know that, yeah, they you can't
1: optimize. I live in a world that's highest and best use of people, opportunities skills, access, capital, intellectual capital. And if you don't know what that means you can't optimize it. Now it's a deeper com- it's a deeper conversation. Right. But it's all very accessible with somebody who wants to really understand it. Absolutely.
0: Now I'm I'm fascinated by you have LinkedIn right? You use do you use LinkedIn ever? I don't use it much, but I have it. I use it, and I'm fascinated by how many emails I get or inbox. I like, forget what they're called. They really want to connect. Yeah, and but what I'm fascinated by what I'm fascinated by is the amount of content that they put in their first email to me. And is it overwhelming. It's 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 overwhelming, and, and and I can't imagine anyone would have time to read it all. There is research. And it's fascinating. People don't realize that the,
1: the concept of variability is the greatest uh, advantage that anybody can have in any form of business if they understand it. And what that means is one approach versus another approach has variability. Right. We've seen one approach outproduce another by 21 times. Same access to the market, same email. Yeah. And normally... It, it, there's two. There's two denominators. One is value. Yeah. The other is uh, is uh, content. And content doesn't have to be long. It has to be interesting. Yep. If I say, "Boy, I would love to connect," and I'm a, a real estate person in uh, Orange County, I don't really have a lot of value to you, do I? Maybe. But well, but if I said uh, I would like to connect, I am I, you know, I generate five buyers. times the referrals of yeah. anybody. I'd love to share my concepts with you to see if it applies to you. That's as huge. a gift. Yeah. Would you Would you want to Ask talk to me. me? Yeah. In a second. Yeah. But, but that's just a hypothetical. But you can see you can see you know axiomatically that that would outproduce the other. But people. Yeah. I mean, this, I'll tell you something very important. Is a great gift. People are. Strategically uh, They go They go uh, Brain dead When yeah. it comes to telephone uh, Calls People call people thinking they are going to get A live person What do you think statistically The probability <laughs> of getting a live person is it's So low nobody likes to talk on the phone anymore <laughs> But here's the irony So when somebody does not get a live person They're abruptly going, This is Jay would you call me back or is a i I'm calling about that that paper I sent. And and If you think about it, and if you expect first and foremost to get a a, a voicemail and you have a strategic, provocative, very self-serving message that you can utter in less than 60 seconds, you can double, triple, quadruple the probability and the expediency of getting a a response and also the predisposition in their mind of being eager to listen to what you have to say. Those kind of levers are, I mean, we've identified and 61 levers Mm -hmm. in a business revenue Mm -hmm. system most people can't use you know uh, a tenth of them but most people don't know one of them yeah interesting isn't it very
0: interesting and and I I think it's crazy that people don't look at an email and think would I myself respond to this you know they'll still people happy to type up a long email but they're not going to read an email from someone else that's the same type of long you know email right I mean we when we go and market to our clients, like I think it's important to also reflect and say, "What I would I respond to this right?" Well,
1: there, and you hit on something. There's there's a a concept that we impose on every communication we do for clients, or I do for myself, and it's called "so what." If you <laughs> got this, would it even have any value? Right. And you have to realize that to you, it's all important. Right. To me, who's getting a thousand or 5,000 bombarded (laughs) uh, intrusions that I don't want into my mind on a daily basis, I don't know you. Right. And you're intruding into the, the, into the, uh, you know, to the, you know, to the, uh, you know, the the privacy of my life. And you want to basically, you want to own a piece of that mental real estate. Right. You better have something that either, either, uh, benefits me intrigues me entertains me yeah uh, provokes me something mm-hmm. and if it's not and and again if it, here's the really bad bad uh, part about it a lot of people might have found something that works but what they don't know is it could be working twice or thrice as <laughs> well true there are people who basically troll all day on LinkedIn yeah. And they get and they're happy. I mean it's hilarious. When the internet first started, people would come to me and say, Jay, I'm getting twenty five thousand opt ins every month and I'm converting, you know, one and a half percent. I need to figure out how to get forty thousand. And I would go, <laughs> Why? Why wouldn't you rather get two and a half or four and a half or seven percent? Right because you can't possibly unless you're a masterful strategic marketer and you understand analytical marketing and scientific marketing you couldn't possibly be maximizing the you know the the fullest potential of what you're getting now most yeah. people have no control and no sense that you can have control of the whole process mm-hmm. and if you understand it strategically from the point that you initiate Interaction, whether it's a contact, an opt in, a phone call, a request, a, you know, a invitation to have a, whatever it is, you can control that, but most people let themselves Be controlled because they don't understand the power and the power sources that they have available. I'm not Mm -hmm. trying to titillate, I'm just saying these are real, and the majority of people work so much harder and accept such a lesser yield from the most precious thing they have, which is opportunity cost, time, effort, uh, you know, and ability. But ability can be. Can be uh, enhanced, improved, and multiplied many times over just by giving you, you know, uh, the the science or, or the the dynamics that you're dealing with. Most people don't know any of the the of the um, of the but the elements that are available to them. The 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 dynamics. The I mean the principles that are at work because mm-hmm. stuff is always driving everything that happens. Mm-hmm. If you are reactive, you sort of try to, you know, you're trying to get some part of it with your fingers like this instead of <laughs> like that. Yeah. But it's a big difference between that and that, and it's yeah. not any more time, not any more. Well, it's more space. Just space. Technique. I mean, it's just, just, just knowing what that looks like in yeah. terms of of a commanding, strategic marketing, selling, integrated uh, game plan.
0: Yeah, that's good. I like that. Now, you deal with a lot with self-employed people. Yes. A big part of our audience is they are self-employed, but they're also looking for self-employed borrowers. And part of what our podcast does is teach them how to find them. Okay. Where, where would you go if you were a mortgage broker trying well, to find them? first
1: thing I would do, besides, if I was going to find them, I would have, when you find them, you're missing a boat. When you find them, what value do you bring to them? So you have to say, what's the value I'm going to bring if I find them? You got to start there. Yeah. And what we've done, I mean, it's pretty simple. We've done this for real estate agents all over. It's the simplest thing in the world. And I tell it to lots of them, and only a few do it. If you want to target, I mean, let's say that you know that the kind of people that would be in your case, well, let's talk in any case, we're talking you deal in jumbos and super jumbos, yeah, right? but let's say that the average uh, colleague you're talking to, that's a little niche that happens occasionally, and the majority of their business is regular. Well, if you've got a double play, if you can own the mindshare mm-hmm. of entrepreneurs, besides having them see you... As their only preferred source, you also get from them referrals. Right. But, th- but why should they do that? Mm-hmm. Well, you you can say, because I'm a cool guy, because <laughs> I'll give you, uh, you know, uh, three tenths of a mil less than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably not it. But if you bring value to them, uh, what I say is the things I'm sharing with your audience right now are are just outer periphery of what's possible from for an entrepreneur with his or her business. If I were someone and I wanted to own mind share of a market or an industry or profiles and they were entrepreneurs or professionals, I would invest in helping them be more successful. I would share with them information, ideas, expertise, methodology that would help you make more, save more, generate more, be more successful. And they would have a debt of reciprocal gratitude to you. And as you did that, you would be creating three things. One, enormous bond to the ability that person can even fund a bigger mortgage right and uh, or investment property or teas mm-hmm. and three that they will be eager and absolutely happy to not just refer you to their own clients and and sphere of, of influences but to other business owners and this whole thing could be replicated multiplied level after level if you understand it strategically sure. and geometrically
0: sure. great stuff. Thank you. I like it. Um, along the same lines, uh, we I want to ask your opinion on giving away information. So, you know, a lot of people might want to hold back like their strategies, their secrets and and you know, not give them to other people or not tell them, not share those with, you know, other people maybe in their office. Like maybe they're really successful but they don't want to share kind of what their referral, you know, strategies are. What do you, what is what is your take about being, you know, that type of person versus just giving away your information for free?
1: Well, the only people that are afraid to share are, uh, you know, they they they're they're very covetous and they're very limited. I mean, if I. Uh, If I had a marketing colleague here, I would help them. I think investing in, you know, some people are rotten and some people are self-serving. But if you can help people prosper and grow, it normally comes back. That's true. If you can get a piece of it, that's great. If you said, hey, I can help you get 15 (laughs) research. Hey, I can help you get 15 new referral sources. I got a strategy that's no brainer, and I'm applying it in a certain field. As long as you don't apply it in that field, I'll teach it to you and give me a quarter of your you know, of your deals. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 there's if if you do it uh, from a business standpoint, you can do it from a contribution standpoint. Mm-hmm. I mean, the point is helping people, and you can do it from an exchange. You're usually not. The only person that has knowledge that is valuable right you know it, i mean i will openly share with anybody that has pieces of the puzzle that i want back mm-hmm. but i think it depends on what you're trying to do you know if it's brutally competitive in your office then if i was going to share i would probably just honestly uh want to uh to uh to benefit to some degree by an overage or uh, a, you know, or a, a lesser amount of, of the points or whatever the deals. I don't think that anyone anyone that wouldn't want to do that was pretty stupid, don't right. you think? Right, I mean, if yeah. I said to you, I can give you 15 strategies tomorrow that'll get you three times the number of deals and I want a quarter of, of the upside... Yeah, and you said no. You'd be pretty dumb if I right. said I could give you fifty thousand dollars income a month tomorrow, and I'd like you to give me back ten, and it's forty thousand net you didn't have, and you didn't want to do that. You'd be pretty ignorant. Definitely, but yeah. people are ignorant. Right, they go, I don't get to do that. That's true. I share. <laughs> but I mean, but also, you know, we've taught people how to take a, a methodology that they perfected, and license it to people all over. I had a dry cleaner one time that had a methodology. For multiplying the number of, uh, of transactions people did with him by three times, and he was able to uh, get a hundred dollars a month from uh, from a thousand other dry cleaners to use it outside <laughs> his marketing area. We had a uh, a, uh, a car wash that had a process of upgrading the. Uh, the premium service, you know, the 21 or 20. And they had something like five times the average of a typical car wash and it was making them an extra 20 grand a month. But their whole competitive market was about three miles. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, it didn't matter. So we got 2,000 car washes to pay them $200 a month to use it. Wow. And So they're making 20 grand in themselves <laughs> and they're making 400 grand by sharing it. Yeah. Uh, Mo Anderson, the person that as a co-chairman of... Uh, of uh, Keller Williams, she might have retired, was a colleague, uh, a protege of mine years ago, and she had sold her real estate business locally and had a non-compete, but at the time, she was one of the best people in the world at getting listings, uh-huh. and she basically couldn't do it in 20 or so miles, but we showed her how to do it all over the country, and she was making $100,000 a weekend I think having other people just pay her to teach it to them. So I mean there's a lot of ways that you can monetize it, yeah. you can reciprocate it. I mean, depends. But yeah, I think sharing whether you share it benevolently, you share you share it reciprocally or you share it economically, you should share. Yeah, I think that's good, right? Yeah, I think you should also try to model other people in parallel universes. Most people don't. But if you say, okay, what else is like mortgage banking? Yeah, real estate, what other things? Anybody that basically has high ticket. You know transactions, it needs leads, referrals. How else do they do it? Like yacht salesmen. Yeah, you know How can private you jet mo- yeah, salespeople. Exactly. Right? And I would basically get a bunch of those together and meet with them all the time. Right. And share ideas because not competitive. That's a great idea. Actually. And you're for- also going to get a referral network that's believable. Absolutely. If you say to them, hey, you know, as long as it's legal and in in the way that it's it's uh license. hey you can be you you you've got some cost you got a guy that bought a five hundred thousand or five million dollar yacht yeah that guy might be might interested in buying a 20 million dollar house right
0: you yeah. know
1: a, yeah or vice versa or a second home yeah i got a couple of people that bought 20 million let me t- introduce them to you yeah that's so, great and yeah and there's, a, there's a lot of potential there I mean, just
0: to think about it. that's a great referral idea
1: well I get um, people to do that all the time but most people are very I mean I think that people have to realize that you're playing a very interesting life game this is your life you're right? you're, 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 you're committing your income your fulfillment your your prosperity and theoretically your asset and again mm-hmm. I'm assuming time. if you have a referral in uh, a in uh, a in and a source or a bunch of sources that keep coming in, even if you retire, you can sell that or at least participate in it, can't you?
0: Yeah. I mean, so you mean you want to build fall well, it's following the license. You yeah, know, I mean yeah, rest I'm not laws. trying to be
1: covert as long as it's compliant with licensing, but people don't don't realize the game they're playing. Right. They're just playing sort of transactional, you know, static moment to moment, which is the dumbest thing in the world sure. with a slightly different uh, mindset. You can play a game for, you know, to create sustainable income, have many sources of it for your business, be building an asset that you can either sell to somebody right. or you can let someone manage for you and still, but but it won't work if you don't understand what you're building. Mm-hmm. Most people don't. and It's very tragic because it's the same time and effort. Just right. It's just a shift in, in strategic thinking. That's good.
0: Now, so being an entrepreneur yourself, you've yes. probably had success. I know you've had a lot of success. Tell us about, you know, maybe a failure, maybe a, fav- a favorite failure that you had that may have taught you something and uh, that you could share with us.
1: Well, I'll give you three and I'll be very, very vulnerable. One is I've been married three times and the first two, I was too busy. My job was my mistress and I didn't have time for my children or my then wives and I had plenty of money. I was very successful, but I was obsessed and hooked and adrenalized on doing deals, and 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 uh, it was very lopsided. And if you don't have balance, you have nothing. And I had everything. I had cars, Ferraris, Rolls, you know, <laughs> everything you can imagine, and a lot of things I shouldn't have had. But it it that's the first thing is have a balanced life and and realize that if you're married and you care about your spouse, and if you have children, particularly younger ones, and you don't spend quality time with them and balance your life, that will haunt you unless you have no depth of soul. That will haunt you all your life. Wow. And so that's one thing. The second is I had a very, very... Sad. I am uh, more. I'm very strategic thinker. I'm very good at that. But I'm not a good day to day manager of my own business, which is why I play off of other businesses, and counsel other people. But I brought in somebody once who was a sociopath to run my business, and uh, he earned millions and millions of dollars for me. And uh, he mismanaged it. But extricating him got me into litigation that cost me. million that I don't have today. So I think with just with marriage and with business relationships, if you know, be take your time to get into them because getting out of them is very difficult Mm. and make sure when you get into them that you're not, you don't necessarily think it's going to be a relationship for life, although hopefully it will. Right. But make sure that you have provisions. If it's somebody you're going to give a share of business or the business to make them earn it and have benchmarks, and have exit strategies for each side if it doesn't work. Yeah. And one of the worst things in the world, there's two sides of um, of, uh, of, of, disgusting human nature. You see the surly underbelly of humanity when you make a lot of money or when you don't have a lot of money. Okay. And so yeah. you, you, I mean, you want to see how people are. I always want people to show themselves during adverse times because everybody's happy when it's but people get greedy, right? Or we make somebody a partner, thinking uh, we don't clarify what their role is going to be. And in the beginning, it's euphoric, and we're, mm-hmm. you know, uh, three musketeers or whatever. But then, as it starts playing out and money starts earning, one person's getting his or her half, and they may not be doing what the other person thinks they're doing. And <laughs> then, and so you have to be very clear all the way through. And That's if it changes, you—I mean, I always had relationships where. If I gave somebody too little and I thought they were doing more, I gave them, I gave them more. If I gave them too much after I had this incident and I thought it was inequitable, I would give them two choices. They could buy me out or we would adjust or or they could leave and get money because I didn't want to have resentment for anyone. And I think if you basically don't go into something ideologically and theoretically, but go into it realistically, Mm -hmm. And I hate the concept of a prenup. I mean, it sort of dehumanizes romance. But in business, if you don't really expect, I mean, I've seen very few, you know, God bless Warren Buffett and his <laughs> partner. Yeah. But I've seen very few partnerships go forever. Have you? Very few. You know, and some of them are very amicable. Some of them are very volatile. Right. Some of them, you know, what happens if somebody gets sick, somebody dies, you know, somebody gets tired? I used to be. The, the leading force in the seminar business, and I had partners. And one day I got tired of it, and then all of a sudden, I didn't mean to, but they had nothing because I didn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> and I said, "You can have the business, but I don't want to be part of it anymore." So you have to have provisions yeah. for you have to. I mean, a contingent and consequential thinking is another skill set that most people don't possess. That's good. And it if you I mean if you don't master it. It will eat you alive because, I mean, shit's going to happen. Repercussions are going to happen. Uh, you know, forks in the road are going to happen. Uh, reversals are going to happen. Right. People are going to get different. Uh, people are going to grow, and growing isn't always a positive. They can grow avaricious. They can grow selfish. Mm. They can grow lazy. They can grow bored. Yeah. yeah. All of those factors, if you don't recognize that those are realistic probabilities and you don't factor that into any relationship you have with anybody in business or otherwise, you're, you're, gonna, you're, you're
0: setting yourself for disappointment. That's great. Great advice. Thanks, Jay. You're welcome. Thanks for watching, everybody.